Bruce this is a, a controversial passage of scripture. I just asked Alexander Pagani about this passage of scriptures, 1 Corinthians. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This also parallels to Romans chapter 14 a bit. Okay, so before we get into that, guys, we have the free How to Study the Bible course to get you more clarity, get you more consistency, and ultimately life application for life change. In the description, or you can go to mastermydevo.com. So when it comes to idols, when it comes to symbols, when it comes to holidays, when it comes to everything that is deemed non-Christian, pagan, what have you. There's a couple passages I always like to point to. The main one is Romans 14. I think a lot of the things we fight and bicker about is really Romans 14 issues. But I think there's this other passage that's really interesting, and it, it almost sounds like a contradiction or a paradox if you look at the surface. And so we're going to jump into it here. I want you guys just to be open to what this says, okay? Because this is going to this is going to blow some of you guys away. Now, uh, in Acts chapter 15, before we get into this, in Acts chapter 15, there's the Council of Jerusalem. Paul is going out preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. They're getting saved. And the Jewish Christians are saying, hey, these Gentiles aren't following our laws. They're not following our rules. So in Acts chapter 15, they meet and they have this conversation about what are the Gentiles required to do. So this is after the day they debate what they're supposed to do. Uh, this is kind of what they agreed on. Okay, With them, they sent the following letter, the apostles and elders, you brothers, to, to the Gentile brothers in Antioch, Syria, and Sicilia, greetings. We have heard that some, some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. What do they say? They said, if you're a Christian Gentile, Gentile Christian, you now have to follow all the Jewish customs and the Jewish laws as well. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friend Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and not to us to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. Here is the following requirements for Gentile Christians following Jesus. Okay, they are not Jewish. They don't they don't follow the Jewish law. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will you will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. So, that is the first part in Acts 15. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, it gets interesting because Paul kind of seemingly contradicts this in a way or or not first Corinthians chapter 8 now regarding your question about food that had been sacrificed to idols yes we know that we all have knowledge about this issue but while knowledge makes us feel important it is love that strengthens the church anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much but the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. So, so, so I think it's, he starts to says this own and he just says, listen, like, stop trying to puff each other up. Stop trying to make it about knowledge because you, you, you don't, don't be a know-it-all, more or less, is what he's saying here. And then it goes, he gives this very interesting answer. So, about food. Uh, so, what about eating meat that has been offered to idols? Well, we all know that an idol is not really a God and that there is only one God. Okay, so... When it comes to idols, when it comes to symbols, when it comes to that little Buddha statue, when it comes to all of these different things, in my opinion, based on this verse, based on this theology, Paul is saying we know that there's no such thing as an idol. Why? Because there's not, it's, not, it's not a real God. There's only one God. 
Okay? So he's saying, hey, listen, all this stuff, all this stuff that you're consumed about and you're bickering about, right? This food sacrifice to idol, we know that that's not a thing. And then he goes on to say, um, verse 5, there may be so-called gods, both in heaven and on earth, and some on uh, and some people actually worship many gods and many lo- lords, right? So he's saying, hey, listen, there's other faiths and they worship all kinds of gods, right? Not the one true living God, okay? And he's saying to them, listen, there's, there's, there's other people, they have other views, right? They're not monotheists the way we are as followers of, of Jesus, followers of the one and true living God, Yahweh. But in verse 6, he says, but for us, there is one God, the Father, by whom all things were created and from whom we live. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created and through whom all things. However, not all believers know this. Interesting. So not all believers know that there's only one true God, Okay. Some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real. So when they eat food that has been offered to idols, they think of it as the worship of real gods and their weak consciences are violated. Their weak consciences are violated. Verse 8, it's true that we can't win God's approval by what we eat. We don't lose anything if we don't eat, and we don't gain anything if we do eat. Okay, so again, these people are talking about food sacrificed to idols. Now, we know there's no such thing as other gods. However, some of these brothers are dealing with weak consciences, and he's saying, listen, we know that ultimately it doesn't really matter, but listen to, this is verse nine, verse 8, and then verse 9, it goes into the rest. Um, but you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. For if others see you with your superior knowledge, Eating in a temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that has been offered to an idol? Because So because of your superior knowledge, a weak believer whom Christ died will be destroyed. And when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you are sinning against Christ. So if what I eat causes another believer to, to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live, for I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. Listen, you have certain knowledge and certain liberties. Other people don't have that knowledge. You being willing to consume whatever you want and them seeing you in the market consuming meat they know is offered to an idol is going to cause them to stumble against their own conscience, against their own understanding. You may have that right to do it, but they don't and therefore don't cause them to stumble. So now in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it gets in, it gets even more interesting. So for, this is now chapter 10. So we go over a couple, we go over one chapter. And he says, look, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. So here he gets to the, the, to the heart of an issue. Flee from idolatry. I speak, uh, I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless is not a, uh, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Consider the people of Israel. Are are not those who eat sacrifices sacrifices participants in their altar? What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No! I imply that when pagans sacrifice, they offer demons... Uh, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord jealousy as 
as we strong uh, um, are we stronger than him? So here he's talking about the Corinthians that are actually doing this. They're participating with these idols. And he's saying, listen, we know in verse, uh, verse, verse 19, what do I imply then? Okay. What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No. So there's no such thing as idols. Idols don't hold any power. In this category, I would put symbols. I would put eyes. I would put triangles, hand gestures, right? Like, those things in and of themselves hold no power, okay? I imply, he's implying this, that when pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. So here he's saying is, listen, we know that idols aren't, they're not real. It's not a real thing. What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything. No, I imply that when pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. So here he says this interesting thing. He says, look, you know that there's no other God. However, when the pagans are offering sacrifices, they're offering stuff to an inanimate object. But when they do it, they think they're offering to their gods. But what they're really doing is they're offering it to demons. Okay? That is, that is not good. I don't want you to participate with demons. I don't want you to provoke the Lord's jealousy. Okay? And then it goes on in verse 23. And he says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Paul. You, you just said that idols are, uh, they're not real. These, these idols are inanimate objects. They're not real. Then you turn around and you said, well, when the pagans offer their sacrifices. They're not doing it to the idols and these false gods. They're actually doing it to demons. I don't want you to participate in that. Then he turns around and he says, <laughs> then he says, eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the, on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's. This is Psalm 24. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. For if, uh, for if one of the believers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered, this is this has been offered and sacrificed, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. Okay? So if you know, well then don't do it if it's if your conscience is weak, or you might cause your brother to stumble, right? I do not mean your conscience, but his conscience. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So if I'm consuming something that I don't have an issue with, I'm going to throw a curveball in this whole conversation. If I'm consuming something, my conscience is not weak. I'm not doing it for my conscience because I have the liberty to do it, right? But the person's conscience that may be weak. If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced? Because of that which I give thanks. So Paul's saying, hey, you can participate and partake with thankfulness because this doesn't hold any power over you, but the weaker brother, it does. Okay, so verse 31. Whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do. Do not, I do uh, not seeking my own advantage, but that of the many, that they may be saved. Okay, so here's, here's, here's the tension. Hey, you have knowledge 
that these idols are inanimate objects and they're not real. Okay, they're not real. They don't hold any power over the life of the believer. However, we have weaker believers who do think that these objects, these idols, maybe these holidays hold power over them. And therefore, their conscience is weak. So don't do it in front of them. Don't do it in front of them. Don't, don't, don't rub your liberty in their face in front of them. Okay? And he's saying, don't seek your own liberty. Don't, don't, don't make it about you. Make it about God. And then this is the same thing in Romans 14. If you guys want to read Romans 14, it's literally the same thing, except now it's not about food sacrifice to idols. They're just talking about meat. It's basically saying the same thing. Don't quarrel with the weaker brother, so on and so forth. Here is where this entire thing gets a curveball thrown into it. Okay? Two things. The first question is, what about social media? Right? They didn't have social media back then. What is Paul talking about? Paul is talking about you and me having interactions and me having certain liberties that you may not have or you having certain liberties that I may not have. And in those personal interactions, he's saying don't flaunt your liberty and cause somebody to stumble because of their own weak conscience. Okay? That is what that is saying. Now, how do we process this with social media? It's another unexpected conversation that I don't think we really have the context for. So that's the first part. Now, and then the second part goes a layer further. Okay, is knowledge of liberty the same as causing to one, someone to stumble? Think about that for a second. So I said to Pastor uh, Alexander Pugini uh, when he was just on the channel, I said, hey, I just wanted to make sure. But by the way, because there's certain, there's certain folks that I know that read 1 Corinthians 8 and say, hey, no, Paul's clear. A Christian shouldn't have food sacrificed to idols. It's a pretty open and shut case. And I go, ah, I don't think that's actually that open and shut. I think it's he's basically saying use your own conscience, use your own discretion, right? But don't do it in front of people and cause them to stumble. Don't buy food in the marketplace so somebody can see you and cause them to stumble, right? And so... When he's saying, I won't ever eat meat again, Paul ate meat again. Romans 14, after Romans 14, I think it's pretty clear Paul ate meat, meat again. Okay? Shout out to all the vegans. He's not, I don't think he's being literal when he's saying that. Right? Again, that's a whole other thing. Like, there's different literary devices being used in Scripture. Okay? There's different literary devices used in Scripture. He's using hyperbole as one of them. Okay? Jesus used hyperbole as well. Don't believe me? Did you pluck out your eye every time you sinned? Did you chop off your hand every time you stole? No, you didn't. That's a literary device. He's using hyperbole. Now, sidetrack. So, the top layer. How do, we, how do we deal with social media? Layer below this. Is knowledge of liberty the same as causing somebody to stumble? I don't think it is. And here's why. If somebody grabs a Bible, they pick it up, they're dealing with alcoholism. They read through this whole Bible. You know what they're going to find? They're going to find verses saying alcohol is good. And we're going to see verses saying alcohol is bad. You're going to see Jesus turn water into wine. But then you're also going to see Paul speak out against drunkenness. Okay? Knowledge of liberty is not the same as causing somebody to stumble. That is, that's not the same thing. Knowledge of liberty is just that. It's just knowledge of liberty. You may have some liberties I don't. I may have some liberties you don't. I know a lot of my pastor's friends who drink alcohol. I don't drink alcohol. I don't have that liberty. Me knowing that someone drinks alcohol is not the same as them inviting me to their house pouring me a glass of wine and making it very awkward for me to say no. Okay? That's different. Now, you go, well, what about social media? How do we process this? Here is the, here is the conclusion of what you're saying. When you say, don't do anything that will cause somebody to stumble, you don't really mean anything. 
It's inconsistent. You know how we know it's inconsistent? There are people who found Alexander Pagini's beard offensive. He didn't shave his beard, did he? Right? There are people that find my facial hair, my hair color, my whatever, offensive. I don't change my appearance for them. See, see what I'm saying? The logical conclusion of this is not the same. We do not, we don't live like that. No one lives like that. Because what you're doing is, now that social media has made the world so small and we all get to, act, get, to get access into individual lives and individuals, peoples, is everybody can look into everybody. You, you don't really stop and slow down and think through this, right? So when you say don't cause somebody to stumble, what does that mean? That means that they can't even have knowledge that you live different than they do? You sure about that? You sure you want to live your life that way, right? Or is what that's really saying, and here's the modern application. Ruslan listens to Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle. You have a weak conscience. You don't want to listen to Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle. You knowing that I listen to Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle should not cause you to stumble. You knowing that I do it should not cause you to stumble. You have to wake up, make up, make your own decisions. You have to make up and make your own choices. Now, if I know for you it is a weakness, I am not going to pull up and play that in the car knowing that it's a struggle for you. This is how I think this passage is applied. This is how I think this passage is applied. Fill in the blank to anything. You knowing that me and my family dressed up for Halloween, because we have a Halloween party every single year, and we've been doing it for 10 years, and we celebrate it at our church. Yes, we do. You knowing that is not causing you to stumble, okay? Me inviting you into that is causing you to stumble. Me telling you come to our church on Halloween is causing you to stumble. But you just knowing, because I posted a photo, I posted something on my Instagram, story, I don't think that's what that passage is saying. I don't think that's what that passage is saying. It's saying in the face of somebody in that context because that was their context. They didn't have smartphones. They didn't have YouTube. They didn't have Instagram. So again, if you want to go to the radical conclusion that because you know, you're a pastor, you're a woman of God, whatever, and you, you're, you're so delicate amongst other people's sensitivities that like, like Pastor Alexander Pagani, who I said, man, that's, 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 that's awesome, brother. You don't even want to check in when you're at the movies. You wouldn't even post that you and your family went to the movies. You wouldn't even post a photo of you in front of the Christmas tree. You wouldn't even post a photo of you on Halloween. You wouldn't even post a photo of you having a glass of wine with your wife. All those things I think are fine, by the way, even though I don't drink alcohol. I think all those things are fine on social. But if you want to go that extra mile because you want to be delicate and you want to be, you want to protect and, and, and not you know, create unnecessary turmoil with your social media because you know your audience, respect. That is amazing. That's amazing. However, you're going to see me and my family at the movies if I feel like posting that on social media. You're going to see me in front of a Christmas tree if I feel like posting that on social media. You're going to see me react to a non-Christian on this YouTube channel if that's what I feel like doing because my channel and my calling is different than yours. Just is what it is, right? Now, I'm not going out of my way, right? I'm not going out of my way. But if I meet Jay-Z tomorrow, I mean, I've met him before, but if I meet him tomorrow, guess what? I'm going to take a picture with Jay-Z. And guess what? It's going up on my Instagram and on my YouTube. 
It just is. I said it. There it is. Do it that what you will. Okay? So, I again, and, and there's somebody like Pastor Alexander, uh, Alexander Pagani. You know, he holds the title of apostle, so on and so forth, church planner. He's going to be like, hey, I, if even if I got to meet Jay-Z, share the gospel with him, take a picture with him, I wouldn't post it. Respect, brother. Respect. Your audience is different. You're, you're more inclined to their sensitivities. I don't, that's not my calling, right? That's, that's not my calling. But best believe if I met Yay, Jay-Z, tomorrow we took a picture, some of you guys are going to say, you're causing me to stumble. Jay-Z is in the Illuminati. What are you doing, Ruslan? How dare you take a picture with a non-Christian? He's a pagan, right? It's going to be the same debate. And this is why I think social media is just a curveball. You, you, you guys see what I'm saying? Like, like so, so when we sit down and we really, like, let's really think through this. Everybody has a line, fam. Everybody has a line. Some people, they're going to say, you need to shave your beard because it's causing me to stumble. Other people are going to say, I don't think women should have any authority over a man. And um, you teaching on YouTube and making YouTube video, you're holding authority over a man. I don't, I don't think you should do YouTube, right? Someone somewhere is always going to have an issue with your liberty or your calling. I don't think the expectation of Jesus, my opinion, this is my opinion. I don't think my, the expectation of Jesus is for us to walk on eggshells for the weaker brother. I think the expectation of Jesus is for us to love the weaker brother, to not flaunt our liberty in front of the weaker brother, to be cautious for the weaker brother. But I think it's also being truthful and being, this is, this is where I'm at. This is what we do, right? Now, next year, maybe I won't post a photo of me and my son dressed up on Instagram if I know it was going to cause such an out outrage. Maybe I won't do that. Maybe I was like, oh, gosh, we've been there. We've done that. I'm not going to I'm not going to poke the bear. Right. But at some point, I'm, I'm just going to get irritated. I'm going to keep it a buck. If I post a Christmas photo and I get the same reaction, I'm probably going to do the same exact stream. OK, at some point, people are, you know, and, and again, guys, <laughs> this is why this is why people don't like church culture. Okay. Yes, they're hostile to the gospel. Yes, all of that is true. All of that is true. Okay. Um, however, however, I think we have to be intentional that you are not called to be everybody's accountability partner over social media. Even if it causes you to stumble, the best thing you could do is keep it scrolling. Someone said, what if someone posts a video of a half-naked woman, uh, what, you, what, what you reckon? I would DM them privately. And this has happened before. This has happened before with Christian rappers. Somebody posts a video that's a little too revealing or the post like, now I'm not going to tell you who, but this happened and they get a phone call, right? Because accountability requires what? Relationship and proximity. So you wanting to police everybody on social media isn't really, it's not, it's not really doing them any favors. You have to let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit and you got to let the local church community be the local church community. But yes, it's happened before. It requires proximity, relationship, permission, trust, right? But, but this whole notion that because we're on social media and the world is smaller and you have this weird uh, sense of connection to your favorite influencer, your favorite rapper, that you are then called to be their accountability partner over, over YouTube comments or Instagram comments. Fam, that is not your role. Even if what they're doing is causing you to stumble. But you know what you do if it's causing you to stumble? You vote with your dollars and you vote with your followers. You vote with your follow, your support. So when Chandler Moore posted that video of that, that little thing of him acting like he was, you know, his wife was twerking on him and he was doing that, that face, well, guess what? There were some people who were like, no, 
No, I'm not doing this anymore. Unfollow. I'm not listening to Maverick City. It was that real for them. And guess what? He had to deal with the consequences of that. Right? There it is. That's how that stuff plays out. Now, I, I told you guys, I don't think there's anything wrong with taking that photo. I don't think there's anything wrong with him and his wife or him's wife working on him or whatever. I don't think it was smart to post it. Right? But that's a wisdom issue. So he was willing to pay the consequences of that. Maybe he did it on purpose. Maybe he, maybe he just did it like as a, as a joke. Maybe he didn't think it would be that big of a deal, right? Whatever. Nevertheless, I think there's this false sense of connection and there's this false sense of um, I'm going to police everyone else's behavior on the internet. I don't think that's healthy. And by the way, Shannon Moore has accountability and people in his real life and whatever. And there was other people that were blessed by the photo. I personally was blessed by the photo. So you guys were like, oh, it's so inappropriate. I was like, man, that's dope. I'm so happy for that, brother. The point isn't to flaunt your liberty, but the point is also not to be the fruit inspector online. You know what I mean? Like, like, like neither of those is helpful. And again, and it's just like, this is a long conversation. This isn't like a short, like, here's an eight minute video on stumbling blocks and Christian liberty and social media. Like, I, I, you got to sit through and kind of think through this a bit, right? And so I'm going to, I'm going to err on the, on, the, on the side of like, hey, like, how about you don't do that on social media? And if you have a relationship with somebody, um, by all means, by all means, have that dialogue, right? But if you don't have a relationship, I don't recommend you do that over social media because this is not a good look. When somebody, when somebody hops into Chandler Moore's, somebody that's a new Christian, a non-Christian, a baby Christian, they go in there and they see arguing and they're like, wait a minute, I didn't even think this was that big of a deal. He just took a photo with his wife. It's just one photo out of seven photos. You're sitting here tripping, hmm? right? Now, would I have posted that? No. Would I have taken that same photo? Absolutely yes, okay? That, that's, that's where I'm at, right? Some of you guys wouldn't have even taken that photo, right? So I think, I think social media has thrown a massive curveball in this entire conversation. Um, I don't I don't know how we navigate it moving forward. I think there's definitely wisdom in not putting something on social media. And again, next year, probably won't put the Halloween stuff on social media. I probably won't, just because I'm like over the conversation. Now, I will put something, I probably will put a photo of us in front of a Christmas tree or celebrating Christmas, right? And I'm guessing there'll be less people upset about that than there are about Halloween. Um, and so I think there's wisdom in relinquishing that freedom and that liberty. And I also think there's wisdom in not being so uptight and walking on eggshells over every little thing on social media. I don't think that's helpful. And, and here's, the, here's something else I would, I would like to, I would like to pr propose to you guys. Here's another thought. Do you guys think that there are a certain, that there is a, that there is value in the new Christian and the non-Christian seeing mature Christians live their lives not walking on eggshells, right? Like, is there value in that? Like, is, I don't drink, but like, is there value in me posting me and my wife on a date having a glass of wine? Even though there's going to be somebody somewhere that's gonna see that and feel a certain way about it. Is there value in that, right? I'm, I'm just proposing that. Right, the new Christian, the non-Christian, the Christian that comes from a very fundamentalist background, is there value for them to see that and then go, man, that's so cool. He's on a date with his wife and they're having, and there's there's like a, there, there's a normalcy there, right? Is there value in that? That's That would be the, the, the next question. Is there value in a new Christian, a non-Christian, the world seeing Chandler Moore wildly in love with his wife and loving her? 
physically to the point where they take a photo like that and it's it's romantic, it's sexual, it's it's celebrating something that they're about to do and act they're about to commit. Is there value in that? To some people, is there value in that? Now, again, he's a worship leader. Was that wise? You know, I don't know. I, I'm telling you straight up, that photo blessed me. Like, it really did. It was like, you know, it was like, yo, this is freaking awesome. I like it. I think that's dope. I want to see more. I want to see sex celebrated more. Some people say you can never talk about sex. Uh, no, I think the Bible talks about sex, right? I think we should celebrate sex more. And, and then I'm going to go deeper. If we look at what sin is, is sin not a perverse version, a perversion of God's blessing most of the time? Is sin not a perverse version of God's blessing most of the time? So God says, man, I've given you this amazing gift of sex. I, 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 sex is amazing. It's amazing. By the way, I've designed it in a way for you to experience the blessing with the protection of sex in the confines of a one woman, one woman, one woman, one man covenantal marriage. Boom. That is a blessing. And then the world takes it and goes, yeah, hook up, tender. We going to turn up and, and twerk and do all kinds of sexualize stuff, right? What is that? that, that it, it, that's a counterfeit. Is it not? That's a counterfeit of the blessing that sex was intended to be, right? And I would say mo most sins are perverse versions of something that God intended as a blessing. We go all the way back to the garden, right? Hey, you can consume of any fruit, just not this one. Okay, why not? Well, because you might have the knowledge of good and evil and it's going to jack you up. So there's all this blessing, but you got to go to the one thing that, by the way, there's other fruit around. You just got to go to the one that God said don't do. You see what I'm saying? So, like, I think most of these things, whether it's sex, right, whether it's pleasure, God wants us to have pleasure. He wants us to enjoy pleasure. However, he wants us to do it in the proper context. We take it and we go, yeah, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Ooh, we're going to do drugs and fentanyl and get faded and wasted, blah, right? It's like you're, you're goofy. Like, fam, that's... That's goofy. That's what that is, right? So you're taking something that was intended as a blessing, and, you're, and that's what the enemy does. The enemy cannot create. He can only counterfeit. He can only he, he can create a counterfeit of something, right? And so with all these things, if, if there's a, I, th I think Jesus was down with parties, right? His first miracle was at a party. I think Jesus is down with parties. I think Jesus is down with good food. I think Jesus is down with celebration. It's amazing. What do we do? We take it and we go, yeah, we're going to create an alternative perverse version of what God intended which is community, fellowship, enjoying our, enjoying each other, enjoying good food, having a glass of wine occasionally. We take it, we pervert it, and we go, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to be an alcoholic. It's like you just perverted the intent of God's heart, which is to enjoy his creation for us. When we start looking at things like this, then, it, then, 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 then the conversation is like, okay, well, how— how do we navigate these things? You know, how do we, how do we think through these things? Right. And so if, again, and then if we have someone that's always, always thinking everything is bad, do we need to, do we need to recommunicate the gospel to them? Right. We need to recommunicate the gospel to them. No, 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 no. You're created in the image of God. You have value because you're created in the image of God. Oh, and by the way, left to your own devices, you screwed that up. And because of Adam screwing that up, you also have that screw. Okay, so what do we do? Well, we have to tell you that there's this thing called sin that was introduced because you were deceived and you did some stupid things and Adam did some stupid things and that's followed us for generations. Now, God wants to restore you back to that amazing blessing that he had. 
for you in all things. In, in food, parties, sex, all those things, he wants to restore you back in the proper context. How? Through a relationship with Jesus, who's going to give you a new heart, give you a new mind, new hearts, new desires, right? And, and in that, you have to go forward. Now, what I'm not saying is you still can't have some of that old man latched onto you or even something demonic latched onto you or something spiritual. You could. This is why I, this is why I have Pastor Alexander Pagani. This is why I like Isaiah Southbrook, because I think there is a time where you may need some deliverance. You may need the elders to come lay hands and pray for you. You may need something like that, right? And so I think I think it's like, yo, that perverse version of something can still get, get lashed on. But do we do we never talk about the, the blessing of sex? Do we never talk about the blessing of enjoying good company and parties and, and weddings and like the, you know? I, I, you know, that, 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 and so, so that's how we navigate. So is there value in that to the person in the world that all they know is don't do this, don't do that. You can't do this, you can't do that. You can't listen to this, you can't look at that. You can't do that, da, 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 right? And I would say, ah, I don't know. I think there's a lot of good stuff God wanted you to do and experience on this side of eternity. Now, again, we don't do that to flaunt that liberty. You don't do that to dunk on somebody. You don't do that to be a jerk about it, right? You do that because it's how God designed you, right? And that's how he, what he restored you to. But this, but this notion that like you can't enjoy this side of eternity because fill in the blank. Be afraid. Be afraid of what? Be afraid of everything. Everything and everyone's out to get you. I don't know, man. You know? I don't know. Um, one of the difficult things is when people are taught rules before being born again. Whoo! Sheesh! That's a bar. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, like try teaching a Try teaching someone young and, and, and going through puberty, you know, hey, sex is wrong. Like, wait a minute. Uh, feels pretty right, <laughs> right? No, it's sex is great intended for you to experience and enjoy in the right context. Not sex is wrong. That's what purity culture is. Is it not? Sex is wrong. Sex is bad. Sex is wrong. Sex is bad. Sex is wrong. Sex is bad. And then what happens? Then you got, you know, sex is wrong. Sex is bad. So save it for the person you marry and spend the rest of your life with. Huh? That's goofy. Right? So, and, and so what happens? We saw a generation of women get saved and men and struggle in their intimacy, struggle in their sex life. No one sat down and talked about, hey, first time is going to be hard. Hey, you want to, you know, take your time. It's good. It might take you a while, especially if you're two virgins. It's going to take you some time. But, man, just keep at it. Keep practicing. It's going to, it's going to get better, right? That's why the world is so perverse because they're perverting the good, right? And then, again, there are some certain things that are just bad. Like, they're just, they're just bad, right? Like, you, you can't be a Christian meth dealer, right? There's, there's no redeeming that. That's just bad. We just don't, we don't do that. And you also don't want to consume yourself with just pleasure, clearly, because that's bad. Because you really mess yourself up. You're, you'll screw up your own dopamine and pleasure sensors and that whole thing. You don't want to just be a perpetually pleasure chasing. You want to have some restraint and some balance there. Guys, thank you so much for making it to the end of this video. Make sure you hit that like button and subscribe. But I want to let you know about a three-day challenge we have coming up for anyone that's looking to get into the YouTube space. If you are an expert in a specific field, if you are an entrepreneur, a business owner, and you're considering getting into the YouTube space because you see the value of reaching a broader audience, we have a three-day challenge coming up very soon. Make sure you hit the link in the description to sign up.
so you don't miss it.